Well, friends, would you uh, turn with me, please, to the words that we read there in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, and uh, reading again verses 1 and 2. Joshua chapter 1, and uh, reading verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Some of you might remember the Lewis Christian Conference that was held in 2019. And I hope that I won't offend anyone by saying this, but for me it was my favourite of all the conferences that I've attended since uh, coming to Stornoway. The speaker was Dr Robert Smith from Beeson Divinity School. And over the weekend, he preached on a selection of passages from the book of Joshua. And the standout message for myself was his sermon on Joshua 1, which he entitled, A New Beginning. And if you get a chance over the next few days or the next few weeks, I recommend that you listen to it. You can find it on YouTube. And especially what he says about the God of the semicolon, the God of the semicolon. Well, this evening, as we find ourselves leaving 2022 and entering 2023, I want to focus on the theme of a new beginning from Joshua 1. We're going to look at these verses, verses 1 to 9, under three headings. We're looking at the continuation, then the comfort, and finally the compliance. The continuation, the comfort, and then the compliance. First, you have the continuation. That's in verses 1 and 2. And here the author focuses on the continuation of the Lord's purposes. The continuation of the Lord's purposes. In verses 1 and 2, we're given the information. The author tells us what had happened at the beginning of verse 1. Moses is this towering figure that really overshadows much of the Old and New Testaments. Deuteronomy 34 tells us that there was none like Moses. And here he's described as being the servant of the Lord. It's a title that that emphasizes his unique relationship, his almost unparalleled relationship with the living God. And this servant of the Lord has just died. The man who had led the deliverance out of Egypt is gone. The man who had brought down the law from Mount Sinai is gone. The man who had stood in the breach between a holy God and a sinful people is gone. The man who had led the people to the edge, the cusp of the promised land is gone. Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. And the author tells us what the Lord said. Look at verses 1 and 2. We can see who the Lord speaks to. He addresses a man named Joshua, a name that means the Lord saves. This man is described as being the son of Nun or Nun. He is also identified as Moses' servant, Moses' right-hand man. And we can hear what the Lord says. He announces to Joshua that Moses, my servant, is dead. It's emphasizing and compounding the fact that Moses is really gone. He is not just gone for a long walk. He has not just gone missing. He is gone. He is dead. He is not coming back. And we can move from the information then to the instruction in verse 2. Having informed Joshua that Moses is dead, the Lord instructs him to arise. 
In Deuteronomy 34, we read that the people wept for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days. It would seem that life just came to a standstill for Joshua and the people following the death of Moses. But the Lord will not allow Joshua to remain in this condition indefinitely. Joshua needs to rise up. Joshua needs to get on the move. Joshua needs to lead the people. And so the Lord is saying, arise, get on your feet. And having instructed Joshua to arise, the Lord instructs him to go over the Jordan. Right now, there is this great raging, rushing river that is blocking the way for the people to enter the promised land. It's, it's serving as a great barrier between the people and the land the Lord had promised. And the Lord now tells Joshua that he, and not just he, but all his people are to cross that river. And having instructed Joshua to arise and to go over the Jordan, the Lord instructs him to enter into the land that he is giving to his people. Back in Exodus 3, the Lord had promised Moses that he was going to bring the people into a good land and a broad land. And now the Lord is telling Joshua that it's now time to enter that land that he is giving to his people. Friends, as we consider these verses, we're being shown the continuation of the Lord's purposes. The continuation of the Lord's purposes. That's what we see in Joshua 1. The Lord had told Moses that he was going to bring the people into a good and broad land. And for the past 40 years, the people have been wandering in the wilderness as one generation of unbelieving men and women slowly but steadily died out. Even Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. And it's at this point that the Lord speaks to Joshua and says to him, Yes, Moses is dead. It's now time for you to rise up, cross the Jordan and enter that promised land. The Lord's purposes are continuing. They're not dependent on Moses or on Joshua for that matter. And that is important for us to remember on the eve of a new year. In his commentary on Joshua, John Currid writes, We need to recognise that God is the one constant in this story. People come and people go. Leaders come and leaders go. But the Lord and his word remain forever. Thus Israel is not to set her chief affections and trust on any leader, but on the constant God. And that is as true for us tonight as it was for Joshua in his own day. Our affections and trust ought to be anchored in the constant God who will accomplish his purposes. Our affections and trust ought to be anchored to the sovereign Lord, the Jesus, whose purposes will stand, whom not even the gates of hell, the gates of death can thwart. Our affections, our trust ought to be anchored to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, whose kingdom isn't dependent on any mere minister, any mere man. None of us knows what this coming year is going to bring. But the psalmist reminds us that the Lord is the same yesterday, today and forever. None of us knows what this coming year is going to take from us or who it's going to take from us. But again, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same 
yesterday, today, forever. And so tonight I want to encourage us to focus on the continuation of the Lord's purposes. That's where our focus ought to be rooted, ought to be anchored, ought to be settled. Not on any one person or even one group of people, but on this constant God. But we move from the continuation to the comfort. And you see that in verses 3 to 5. And here the author focuses on the comfort from the Lord's presence. The comfort from the Lord's presence. The Lord begins by comforting Joshua with the promise that he is giving the land to him. Verses 3 and 4. We can start by noting the gift of the land. The Lord says that every place that the soles of Joshua's feet tread on will be given to him. This reflects an ancient Near Eastern practice that whenever a person took formal ownership of a piece of land, they would walk around it. They would mark it as theirs. They would would say, this is my land and I'm going to walk the length and breadth of it. And the Lord says here that he has given every piece of the land that Joshua and those with him walk on. Again, there's this emphasis that the land hasn't been earned by Joshua or the people. It's not been merited by Joshua or the people. The land has been given to them. It's been gifted to them by the Lord. And the Lord says that he has given them the land just as he had promised Moses. We can also note the extent of the land. Verse 4. The Lord is giving them all the land from the wilderness in the south to Lebanon in the north. He's giving them all the land from the river Euphrates in the east to the great sea, the Mediterranean in the west. The Lord is giving them all the land that is currently occupied by the Hittites. The Lord is showing Joshua here the borders of the land, the boundaries of the land. And he is saying to Joshua, it's all yours. And it's all yours because I am giving it to you just as I promised Moses. And then the Lord continues by comforting Joshua with the promise that he is going to be with him in verse 5. The Lord tells Joshua that no one will be able to stand before him all the days of his life. Verse 5. The Lord's just mentioned that the land is currently occupied by other peoples. People like the Hittites. And these Hittites and the other tribes living in the land they're not going to roll out the red carpet for Joshua and Israel. They're not going to hold a celebration saying, well, isn't this good? The, the Lord's people are coming into our land to set up places of worship to the Lord in our land. They're not going to do that. They're going to meet Joshua and the people with aggression and hostility. But the Lord comforts Joshua by telling him that no man will be able to stand before him. No one will be able to withstand the attacks that Joshua launches against them. And no one will be able to mount any successful attack against Joshua. And the Lord goes on to tell Joshua why no one will be able to stand against him. Look again at verse 5. He reminds Joshua that he was with Moses. He was present with Moses during his life, present with Moses during his ministry. Moses was never, never alone. And now the Lord is saying to Joshua... Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And he reinforces that with the statement, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's an impressive promise. It's a heartwarming promise. 
And you know, as we consider these verses, we're being shown the comfort from the Lord's presence. The comfort from the Lord's presence. That's what we see in Joshua 1. The Lord speaks to Joshua about the land that he's giving to his people. A land that Joshua is to arise and enter and take possession of. And the Lord assures Joshua that none of those who are currently living in the land will be able to stand before him. They will not be able to subdue Joshua. They will not be able to stop Joshua. And the reason for this is because the Lord will be with Joshua in the same way that he was with Moses. He is not going to leave Joshua. He is not going to forsake Joshua. He is not going to leave Joshua floundering around to his own devices. The Lord's presence is a comfort. He's the God who stays with his people and who stands with his people. And that's important for us to remember on the eve of a new year. Dale Ralph Davis writes, in Hebrews 13, the promise of Joshua 1 is applied to a Christian congregation. The promise of God's abiding presence in Joshua 1 is also for you. There is nothing more essential for the people of God than to hear their God repeating to them amid all their changing circumstances, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. Tonight, if you are a Christian, if you're one who has received Christ by faith, you have a God, you have a Jesus who says to you, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Whatever the coming year holds in store for you, you have a God, you have a Jesus who will be with you. He will be with you in the dark and difficult times. He will be with you when you feel bruised and when you feel broken. He will be with you when your circumstances are painful and perplexing. He will be with you in every trial and testing of your faith. It's what some of the commentators call the Emmanuel principle, the God with us principle. This week I read an article about an Iranian Christian called Hussein and his experience of persecution in the presence of Jesus. His ministry had been going well until one night the secret police raided his apartment where he was leading a Christian meeting. And after separating the leaders, the police blindfolded Hussein, drove him to an unknown location where he was led to a solitary cell. Hussein's thoughts were a jumble of confusion and fear. And then he began to pray and God's presence filled his solitary cell. Hussein said, this was the greatest experience of my life. With Jesus beside me, even telling me how to pray and what to say. I was in the presence of Jesus and I was praying more boldly and confidently that Jesus had brought me there for a purpose. And then he says this. I felt like Jesus put everything aside, the whole world aside, to come to and be with me. I felt like Jesus put everything aside, put the whole world aside to come to me and be with me. And this same Jesus will be with each one of his people. Whoever they're facing, whatever they're facing, even in the times when no one else is there, the times when no one else shows up, he's there. 
That was the conviction that the Apostle Paul had. You remember what he writes to Timothy about when he says, At my trial, no one was with me. No one came to my defence. No one stood by me. And then he says, but the Lord stood by me. And he strengthened me. And so tonight I want to encourage us to focus on the comfort from the Lord's presence. The comfort from the Lord's presence, that you are going into 2023 not alone. You might have no one else in your home, but the Lord will be with you. The comfort from the Lord's presence. Third and finally, we have the compliance, verses 6 to 9, where the author focuses on the compliance with the Lord's precepts. The compliance with the Lord's precepts. Verse 6, the Lord commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. The Lord starts by telling Joshua what he's to be, beginning of verse 6. He is to be strong and he's to be courageous. That's the attitude that Joshua must possess, the attitude that Joshua must exemplify as a leader. It's an attitude of resoluteness, a firm and fixed determination. And the Lord goes on to tell Joshua why he's to be strong, why he's to be courageous. Look again at verse 6. The Lord has already told Joshua that he's giving the land to the people as he promised Moses, verse 2 and verse 3. But now the Lord tells Joshua that Joshua is going to be the chosen vessel, the chosen instrument through which the Lord will give the land to the people. Joshua will be the cause of the people entering, acquiring, taking possession, settling in this land. And the Lord continues by commanding Joshua to be resolute then when it comes to observing his law. Look at verses 7 and 8. Once again, the Lord commands Joshua to be strong and very courageous. Now, at this point, Joshua might be thinking and we might be thinking, well, the Lord is telling Joshua to be strong and courageous when it comes to fighting against the Hittites. Joshua might be thinking and we might be thinking that the Lord's saying, Joshua, be strong and courageous when you go into battle, when you engage in this holy war. But that is not what the Lord's saying. The Lord goes on to command Joshua to be strong and courageous. Look at what it says when it comes to observing his law, holding fast to his word, complying with his precepts. He tells Joshua to be careful to do according to all the law that Moses had commanded him. He's not to just pick and choose the bits that are easy, the bits that are palatable. He is to observe the whole of that law, the entirety of it. He tells Joshua that he must not turn aside from that law. He must not veer toward the right. He must not veer toward the left. He must hold a straight, steady course. And he tells Joshua that he's not to let any part of that law depart from his mouth. Instead, he must meditate on it day and night. That law is to be on his lips in public. It's to be on his lips in private. He is to be consumed with repeating that law, both both when he's with people and when he's on his own. And the Lord tells Joshua why he must be strong, why he must be courageous when it comes to observing his law, holding fast to his word, complying with his precepts. He tells him that if he does so, then he will have good success wherever he goes. He tells him that if he does so, he will be prosperous. The point is clear. The Lord will accompany Joshua's obedience with his own blessing. His own favour. 
And the Lord closes by telling Joshua once again to be strong and courageous. Verse 9, he reminds him that he has commanded him to be strong and courageous. He instructs him not to be fearful, not to be dismayed. And he encourages him by drawing his attention back once again to that Emmanuel principle. The glorious assurance that the Lord will be with him wherever he goes. Isn't that wonderful? That the Lord doesn't simply say to Joshua on this side of the Jordan, I am with you. But now the Lord is saying to Joshua, when you cross the Jordan, wherever you go, I will be with you. Well, as we consider these verses, we've been shown the importance of compliance with the Lord's precepts. Compliance with the Lord's precepts. That's what we see in Joshua 1. The Lord's commanding Joshua to be strong and courageous, resolute, determined when it comes to observing his law, holding fast to his word, complying with his precepts. And he tells Joshua that he will know his favour and blessing, success and prosperity if he does so. The Lord's precepts are to be complied with. The Lord's word isn't to be discarded. It's not to be diminished. It's not to be dismissed by Joshua and the people. And that is important for us to remember on the eve of a new year. This wasn't the command simply for Joshua and the people of Israel in their day. This is a command for every single Christian. This is a command for all those professing to be the Lord's people. Once again, quoting Dale Ralph Davis. If we don't like Joshua 1 verses 7 and 8. We still have to face Psalm 1 verse 2, which describes what should be true of every godly believer. That is, their delight is in the Lord's law and in his law they meditate day and night. There is no escape. Indeed, the word should be our delight. Life in the kingdom of God must be lived out of the word of God. Joshua 1 and Psalm 1 alike tell us that a life pleasing to God, now listen to this friends, a life pleasing to God doesn't arise from mystical experiences or warm feelings. No, a life pleasing to God comes from the word that God has already spoken and from obedience to that word. A few years ago, I was given a copy of a book called A Ministry Fulfilled by a man, Robert Bray. Robert Bray was a minister in Caithness in the 1970s. And it's really a collection of excerpts from church newsletters that he published. And one article is entitled Diary of a Bible, where Bray writes, January the 15th, been resting for a week. A few nights after the first year, my owner opened me up, but no more. Another New Year's resolution gone wrong. February the 3rd, owner picked me up and rushed off to church. February 13th, cleaning day. I was dusted and put back in my place. April 2nd, busy day. Owner had to speak at the Bible study. Quickly looked up a lot of references. May the 5th, in Grandma's lap, a comfortable place. May the 9th, Grandma let a tear fall on John 14, 1 to 3. May the 10th, Grandma's gone, back in my old place. May the 20th, baby born. They wrote his name on one of my pages. July the 1st, packed in a suitcase, off for a holiday. July the 20th, still in the suitcase, almost everything else taken out.
July the 25th, home again, quite a journey, though I don't quite see why I went. August the 16th, cleaned again and put in a prominent place, the ministers coming for dinner. August the 20th, owner wrote Grandma's death in my family record, left his glasses between the pages. December the 31st, owner just found his glasses. Wonder if he'll make any more resolutions about me. And Bray concludes by asking the question, if your Bible could talk, what kind of story would it tell? If your Bible could talk, what kind of story would it tell? Would our Bibles be able to say that we're a people who delight in its every word? And not only delight in its every word, but are devoted to its every word? This evening I want to close by encouraging us to focus on being a people who are compliant with the Lord's precepts. A people who are strong and courageous. A people who are resolute and determined when it comes to holding fast to the living word of the living God. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It's not about our feelings. It's not about our emotions. It's about simply taking what what the Lord has given us in his word and saying, I'm going to let this word guide me, direct me every step of the journey. Well, that was Joshua's new beginning. And as we find ourselves at the beginning of a new year, I hope and pray, friends, that we would take comfort from the continuation of the Lord's purposes, that we would take comfort from his presence and that we would be encouraged to be compliant with his precepts, devoted, resolute, when it comes to holding fast to his word.